All right, welcome back. Welcome back. I switched from white to black shirts. I don't know if you mm. you noticed that. Yes, I like this. A little bit of a slimming effect. Yes. My wife said I looked fat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I went with the sweatshirts after the holidays. Yeah. It's January now. Mm-hmm. Back on the bandwagon, we must go. Yes, we do. Get healthy again. So I thought we'd talk a little bit about, or at least jump in with the... Kind of the topic of logic. What is logic and is it something that's universal? Is there a universal logic? Is it a process in the mind? Is it a fundamental? What is it exactly? What's your opening thoughts about that so for me there are some foundational um, principles of logic we have two hands one hand plus one hand equals two hands so there's facts that are evident that and I believe that that system was more created you know, in order to understand and to organize. I'm not good in math. I never like, was. It's basically physics. Yeah, physics, yeah. And and so yeah, there's 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 this sense of there's these facts that we have and through experimentation we see the results of things that happen. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that's the formula for logic. And it's why you can very much have logic to a point and not believe in God. Or you can um, see it as this world. How can you ever see this world without a God? Because ultimately, logic will be influenced by someone's beliefs and what someone believes to be fact whether it is fact or isn't and so um scientists try to always say well we believe in the facts you know and that's what they always try to push but really so often you you can't help but see people's own bias uh influencing their logic um well i mean we start with a fact what is a fact it's it's a truth that's been borne out in a satisfactory manner over multiple iterations so something that we can look and say okay this happened this was the result this happened again the same result this happened again the same result and that's built upon and built upon until we come up with a fact. And yes. even if you look at the scientific process of, okay, we're, you know, we come up with a, uh, you know, data, then hypothesis, then we, we posit an explanation and then we do all this analysis, like this whole process that is science is really just a 
a logic, logical method of interpreting things in the world. And then we come up with, okay, now we say this is a fact. Yes. And then we use that fact to make decisions about other things. Exactly. And that, and, and it's so important, uh, for us to understand that when you come to the point of logic and thinking logically, just saying you're thinking logically doesn't mean you are. Well, logic really is more of a, a methodology of a method of thinking, right? I mean, you can think emotionally. You, I mean, we use this in our everyday vernacular. Oh, you're thinking emotionally. Oh, you're thinking logically. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a way of processing information. It's like, okay, I'm going to put this information in my brain. I'm going to think about it and examine it in my brain a certain way using logic. Mm -hmm. And then the outcome uh, or the conclusion of this thinking about this topic or this, whatever you're thinking about, then we would say that's a logical conclusion. Mm -hmm. Trying, and it's almost the opposite of thinking emotionally because and frequently it yeah, is I because, think. because emotions will influence how we think and how we react and what we believe and what we do so often. And so, um, the idea, and this doesn't happen, I don't believe, but the idea is I've removed all emotion and I'm looking at this objectively to where, okay, this has nothing to do with my situation. I, I don't have any desire to see a specific outcome. I just want to know what's the truth. And mm. I think that's where it breaks, breaks down a lot. Logic breaks down is because we are emotional creatures and we always lean towards wanting to be right. Well, I mean, emotions obviously influence everyone's thinking and influences everyone's decision oftentimes that can be a good thing yeah you know emotions obviously are important and they should play a role in how we make certain decisions but i think the filter of or the taking something and logically thinking about it then applying emotions to that comparing it you know, going through multiple iterations of this process of thinking, I think over time seems to be where we come to the best conclusions about a topic. Yeah. But this idea of logic more so being, or this method of thinking, we could say, what are the universals of it? And are those universals based on something? Is logical thinking simply a product of our understanding of the physical world? Or is it is our logic based in our actual wor worldview, factoring in ethics and um, values and, yeah. you know, uh, relationships and, and relationship with God and all of these other things, Judeo-Christianity, mm -hmm. we could say, the Judeo-Christian ethic, is logic, what is logic based upon? Is it pure physics? 
or metaphysics or is it deeper than that? You know, that was something that Gene Roddenberry, he's the guy that wrote uh, Star Trek. He created an entire race, the Vulcans, mm-hmm. and their God is logic. Like that, that's not logical. Like that's, and so it was really interesting and I haven't seen Star Trek in who knows how long, but I don't think I've really, I can, can't say it, that I've it, ever really it would be seen interesting it. when you're, when, if we, cause they do a lot of episodes cause Spock, you know, he's half human mm-hmm. and he's half Vulcan. And so he's on the, the starship with them and he's always struggling with his Vulcan side that remove emotion, only think logical and, you know, if you think and do logical, then the best, the greatest outcome will come to pass, right? And they specifically create episodes that show where emotion, emotional thinking, created a better outcome than what a logical conclusion would be, you know? And um, that's got to be a huge reason why that show is popular. Oh, yeah. It, it is. Striking that yeah. kind of knife edge oh, between yeah. those two. And how interesting Use. that is, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, so yeah, that was, um, it was, it's really interesting because um, a logical person, and, and, and some of that stems from the Stoics, you know, mm-hmm. a Stoicism of, of removing emotion and always seeing things how they are. And, and that, that, that belief system is not something new. Um, it's, it's, it's what he, he got his race from was from the Stoics of, you know, uh, the biblical times and, and, and things like that. And, um, and so, so this idea of how do we form logic and when do we choose to use logic versus having faith? Um, because that's the truth. Truth is that, if you look at just logic, there can't be faith because how do you produce a fact without proof? And, and that's where the idea and the problem with always living and believing logically breaks down because you would think, well, we should want to do that because that's going to produce the best outcome. Uh, but it doesn't always. And that's something that um, almost contradicts the whole formula of something being logical is it's gone through the proving process. And so it's become, and it's shown you the truth and what is best. And yet it doesn't always produce the greatest outcome. I don't think logic can be based solely on physics. Mm -hmm. And when I say physics, I don't mean necessarily just a branch of mathematics that deals with the physical world. I mean, physics in our natural understanding of how the world works. I think logic in order for it to work has to go deeper than that. Mm -hmm. I think it does have to be foundationally built or derived from the transcendental. And I, by that, I also don't mean transcendental meditation. <laughs> I mean, it, it, the one of the root words would be logos, which is like the collective, boy, I'm going to have a tough time. I don't know if anyone can really explain 
the concept of the logos eloquently. Yeah. But like the boy, the logos, the collective mind or the collective experience of all of humanity. Yeah. But even deeper than that, built on, built on the principles set forth and, in the ethics that we live by because if you if you take logic we see this in the 20th century yeah you, logic without pure physical logic leads to death because it leads to things like eugenics it leads to things like because if you use pure physical logic to reason out, um, you know, who should live, who should die. Well, if we just use that pure physical logic of, well, certain people should just die because they're inferior. They're draining the resources. They're draining the resources. They, you know, it, we see millions of people die by this quote unquote logic in Nazi Germany. We see millions of people, tens of millions of people die in Soviet Russia, where the physical logic was removed from the the logos of humanity, of you know the the ethical foundation placed at least in the West by Christianity. They removed this physical logic. And said, we're going to run with this alone, mm-hmm. devoid of all of that other stuff. And, and we're just going to, we're going to run based off of this physical logic. And, and, and millions of people die. You know, I, I think it, that physical part of the logic has a place, but it has to be coupled with the, the overall logos you know, it has to be intertwined and and thought about in a greater scope of just if A, then B, yeah. if C, then D, so on and so forth. Yeah, the, there's a few words that, you know, I guess I don't like to use a lot, but really the evolution of man and their worldview i guess you know you would say from the christian side you go and read uh romans chapter one and there paul gives a good explanation of man and our fallibility and how we like to destroy things how we like to give in to every desire. Well, if it makes me feel good, then I'm going to do it, you know. Because that's the logical. There it is. And Outcome. Yeah. And and even, even this whole thought, too, he, Paul mentions something there in, in Romans 1 um, that I always had, a que- had questions about because the principle of telling others about the Lord 
is God left this responsibility to responsibility to the Christians, to the church, to go and tell others about everything that he did so that everyone can know. And there's always this, well, what about people who never had a missionary come there? What about people that never heard? They never had a chance to say, yes, I believe, or no, I don't believe. How is it fair that they never heard, and yet they're still going to be judged for their sin? Yeah, it's a fundamental paradox of all religions. Absolutely. And there Paul says, and he talks about this, that it created within each and every one of us is the understanding of when we look at nature, when we look at this creation, this universe, all of us within us have this conclusion, this can't just happen. There has to be some creator, some author. And I've recently even, like, I heard a, an interview from Neil deGrasse Tyson, you know, a huge science guy, oh, yeah. really smart, re- physics and everything, but total atheist, doesn't believe in God. And astrophysicist. Astrophysicist, yeah. yes. And so, um, and he was, I don't remember who he was interviewing with, but he talked about how um, for a long time there was this, belief that um, evolution was based on this fact that it fine-tunes itself. So with every generation, with every time period, it gets better and better and better. And that's how everything came to be. Like, that's how, you know, humans are here today, and that's how we came from, you know, monkeys and all this, all this stuff. And he said, but then I began to study stars And I began to study our galaxy. And he said, that doesn't work. Because if you change the distance we are from the sun, closer towards the sun or farther away from the sun, we're either going to freeze and life can't exist with that extreme cold weather, or we're going to burn up and there's not going to be anything left. He said, there's... A specific, and he he gave all the numbers. I I don't know them. I don't I don't I don't even want to act like I do. But he gave exactly the percentage of how far the Earth had to be in rotation with the Sun, but not just the Earth, the Moon, all every planet that is in our galaxy rotating around the Sun. How it had to perfectly be set up that way in order for life to be able to exist on Earth. And he said. That can't happen through fine tuning. It's like it, 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 it would de- continually destroy everything, and and would never come to the point where it's created. And so he said, if I ever had a case for a god, he's like, that that's what led me to it. He's it's like, rock solid. Yeah, it's 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 a vi- it would be a violation of entropy. Yep. that nothing can get better. Yeah, fundamentally, you can't. The famous illustration of I have a pocket watch mm-hmm. and I take it all apart. 
I have all each little individual piece of this mechanical pocket watch. And I put it in a bag. I put all the pieces in this bag. And I shake the bag for a million years. What are the odds that after I shake that bag for a million years that I'm going to open it up and there will be a perfectly assembled pocket watch? Zero. Yep. I'm just going to still have a bag of parts. Yep. But I think you're, you, you opened up to one of my other ideas of this logic or method of thinking of being one of the many things that points to a creator, points to the divine, the, the divinity of creation, the supernatural aspects of our existence here. So one is logic divine, which I think you kind of, you would answer that already. And I wholeheartedly agree that I think the logical process of thinking is something greater than the physical earth, the physics, you know, the physical world. But is that logic something that is bequeathed to each human? Is it something that is learned through interaction with the world? Is it simply something that's hardwired into us, supernaturally or otherwise, and is thereby a a thing that we can filter ideas through? How do you think the logic, and I'm thinking of it as a, a methodological process that each of us has, how do we come to attain that? Where does that come from? Yeah, because when you think of a child, children learn so much from their parents. They yeah. mimic their parents. But there's things that parents don't teach children. Um, we always use the illustration, you don't have to teach a child to lie. No one sat their kid down and said, all right, if ever you do something wrong and you don't want to get in trouble, just lie to me. <laughs> There's not Hide that. the truth. Yeah, right. Cloak it in a veil of... No, it's, it's possible kids saw their parents doing this. Sure. <laughs> but, but really, even at the youngest age, I remember when my kids got into some chocolate, chocolates all over their face. 100% guilty. You say, did you get in the chocolate? No. They know. <laughs> they know how to lie before, because because they, they know how to, in their minds, think and come to the conclusion that if I tell the truth, I'm going to get in trouble. Because I know I'm not supposed to be eating this chocolate. And so they're already thinking logically, even at that age, to be able to know. So so there's this sense of instinct and God created what I believe to be God instilled a, a conscience that 
is able to reason, um, reason out a situation and look at it and find out what's the best outcome for me. Um, and ultimately that, that conscience, uh, that's what Paul talks about in, in, in Romans chapter one is this conscience. He talks about how we are all born with this conscience and this conscience shows us right from wrong. Like, I don't care who you are. You can take any human in the world. And if you kill a baby in front of humans, no matter what culture they're from, physically, just right in front of everyone, do that. It's going to be a problem. They know it's wrong, especially the majority. Now, Paul also talks about how people can have their conscience seared meaning like burnt so much to the point that it's unrecognizable anymore. And he talks about how when we give ourselves to sin too often and things like that, our conscience can become that way to where we no longer are seeking truth. We're seeking personal gain, gratification, fulfillment, the things we want. And... At that point, it is even, it's so much harder for the people to search for truth and want to know truth because um, they've decided their truth is going to be what they want it to be. Yeah. The conscious, and especially the consciousness, the conscious being able to be seared is, I think, a, a crucial underpinning of. Okay, if we, the, the fact that our logic or our reason or our consciousness can become damaged or numb or numb, yeah, or but we start with it, mm-hmm. right? So it's there at the beginning. Then, so that would lead me to, to that would lead me to posit, you might say that it is in fact a divine gift. Right. If it's something that is one, we see it's more or less universal and it's there at the beginning. That logical thinking process or reasoning. And what would you define the difference between logic and reason is? I would seem to say that reason is the actual v- verb. Yeah. The, pro- the, the process of the process of fact. Yeah. Of filtering an idea through the logos mm-hmm. and, and making the calculations, if you will, in your mind and then coming to that logical conclusion. Yeah, because even like kids, I know I'm supposed to listen to my parents. They know that. Mm-hmm. This person takes care of me. They feed me. They love me. They, they know me. So they know all those things, and then that I've done something that I know they told me not to do. Now what do I do? So then becomes the reasoning of, well, do I continue to do things that they don't want me to do to try and hide the fact that I didn't do what they wanted me to do in the first place? And we know that that ends up, they don't though, 
And so they think, well, okay, if I just lie about it, I don't tell them the truth, then it'll be okay. It'll be like I never did it. And that's, we see that in the Garden of Eden. That's reaction one that happened is Adam and Eve, as soon as they took of the fruit, they hid themselves. They didn't want, they didn't want to go and, and talk with God anymore. They didn't want to be caught. They wanted to hide and maybe God would forget about them. <laughs> you know, like it's so illogical, you know, when you think about it, but that's, they've, you know. I think there would need to be a distinction made then between logic without the influence of the divine or an ethic, mm. you know, the Judeo-Christian ethic, and then logic as applied with that ethic. Because we can look at any situation and we can reason in our mind, just like the kid that gets caught eating chocolate. Of The, the reasonable thing here to do would be to lie or deceive so I can avoid the consequences of my actions. But if I apply the principles and the values of something greater than me, of the Bible, then the logical thing now becomes to tell the truth. Even though I take the hit in the short run, in the long run, it's more beneficial. Yeah, and I think that's our there's a maturity process that happens with logic uh, as time goes on because um, in the beginning you don't think and and include into the equation and into the calculations. My parents are smarter than I am. Every time I've lied, they've caught me in the lie. <laughs> you know. Well, maybe they haven't, or maybe they haven't. Yeah, if yeah. they haven't, yeah. But 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 understanding that. This lie, every time I've done it, it's produced not good things because I just, kids are so, and you, you see the, the conscience that was created in them because even when they get away with it, happiness is gone. There's this awkward look on their face of even if i even if i get away with it in my mind so to speak they still are like it didn't make it feel better like i thought if i lied about it and he didn't think that i did the thing that would offend him i would feel better because he no longer knows about it but the problem is i know and I know I did what I wasn't supposed to do. And that's where the conscience surprises us sometimes. Is because we always, in that moment, we're always thinking, what's the best outcome? What's the best outcome? What's the best outcome? And we do that and we don't understand, no, there's always consequence. And if you choose the path that is deceit and deception and... The, that route, it always has that guilt. So, so what you're saying is there is multiple 
logics. There's not a universal. There's a logic of self-preservation. And there's a logic for truth. There's different... If we're talking about it as a, a methodology of coming to a conclusion that there is not one and only one logical outcome that the logical the, the logic has to be based on the desired outcome yeah i would agree with that and that's that's where i think we see some people struggle with the bible yeah they see things god react in certain ways and they're like he's contradicting himself from this other place that he did this he was different here than he is now but then god says he's never changing and so they they don't understand that, no, there's a specific reason that this was done this way and it was not done this way here. And it tells why if you read scripture, but people don't like to do that. So what they'll do is they'll take the the story and say, see, he acted totally different in these two similarly identical situations. So, you know, I would agree with that, that there's, there's so many different spheres of logic and and really levels of it that so if we were to say that western logic is in the the generally agreed upon ways of thinking methodologies of thinking in the west or reasoning must be based in order to provide consistent outcomes must be grounded in a certain fundamental, mm-hmm. right? A certain truth that logic without the fundamental truth is completely fallible. And I think, I think this is, we really saw this borne out, like I mentioned earlier in the 20th century atrocities of Nazi Germany, of Mao's China, of Soviet Russia, where the, the, the logic was decoupled from the, the ethic, right? And they tried to apply this pure physical logic to, a, a, you know, to their country, their government, and then because of that, it was a disaster. Mm-hmm. It was a disaster humanly. On the human front, millions of people died. It didn't work. It was caused unsurmountable suffering in those places. And I think the power of reason, I think in pride we often assume that it is something that we have that is not influenced, does not have outside influence. But I think it can. I think it's corruptible. Definitely. Obviously, I think it. it, Our reasoning process must be based in something greater than humanity. It seems like every conversation we have, this is basically our conclusion. (laughs) (laughs) It has to be something. It has to be based in something deeper. Yeah. In order for it to function properly, and if and if those things are decoupled it just does not work well yeah and it's it's 
it's interesting too because in order to come to um, the proper conclusions, there has to be the proper amount of time to be able to produce something um, and understand that the experiment can be flawed. Like you might not even be doing anything the right way in the beginning and you have to fail so many times before you produce something that is, you know, that you want, that is desired, that it works. And I look to like the, the founding fathers as that when they wrote the constitution, they, in their, in their wisdom, knew that they were flawed, that they were men that didn't know how to start a country, didn't know how to produce a country and infrastructure and all these things that America's grown to be. And so very, very early on, they said, we need to make sure that we allow for amendments to this Mm -hmm. because we might be forgetting about something. Sure. We might not foresee things. We might get into this whole thing that we've tried to logically think about, and we might see, we're wrong. This doesn't work. And so we need to give place for and trust in the future generations that will happen. And of course, there's the hope that it will continue to get better as society advances, as infrastructure is built, as, you know, if this country of America forms into its own country, they hope that this process will work. Um, but they also understand that the process takes time to know and it wasn't going to be in their lifetime. So they needed to make, um, proper possibilities for themselves to be wrong, you know, and for there to be a better way, even than what they've thought of. I think even that action in and of itself is logical. Yeah. To understand the, infall- the, the fallibility of logic mm. is in itself part of a healthy reasoning process. That I might be wrong. Yeah, or and, and this is something too that I think went into that is that we're discovering new things all the time. Like America was discovered. It's a new place we didn't know existed not long before this. And so with that discovery became a lot of new knowledge and the more knowledge you have, you can come to the greater conclusion and think logically the most effective way. But the problem with logical thinking is we never have all the knowledge. And so there will always be omission. Yeah. There will always be a possibility for fallibility. So is God the omnipotent manifestation of logic? I mean, he would have to be. If we say that, okay, logic is divine. Yep. 
but we've determined that it's fallible. Yeah. And then without foundation, it's imminently fallible. Mm. But if we have all the knowledge, which we don't, is it fallible? And if we would say no, then wouldn't omnipotent or all-knowing, having all knowledge, the logic that is applied to that all-encompassing knowledge or omnipotence, it is omnipotence, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is God. Yeah. Right? Yes and no. Here's this. Here's the curveball to that. If God thought logically and only logically, why would he create free will? Because we, what's the point of having a creation that can defy you? It's not logical. You know what I'm saying? Not logical to us, but we're not omnipotent. Yes, that's true. But, but, and so, and so here's the, here's the curveball to that is that God's very specific in His Word. He, he, he doesn't put the emphasis on His, um, knowing everything. Right. He puts the emphasis on His love. And so His emotion. And so. But is love an emotion? Yes. Oh, is love an emotion? Yes. Oh, oh, okay. That's a good question. Or is... Is love the byproduct of omnipotence? Omnipotent logic? Because mm. if we conceptualize... If we, if we say that, okay, logic is divine... Mm-hmm. Only God is omnipotent in that only he has all knowledge. So only he can have perfect logic. From that perfect logic, and I may be way off course here. Don't get me wrong. I'm just, <laughs> we're just, I'm just rolling yeah, with we're this. Just like seeing where it's, about it. Seeing yeah. where it's going to go, you know, thinking through conversation yeah. here. Is that omnipotent logic is love and all the good things that come from God a result of that omnipotent logos? Is it something that can even be separated? Or is because if, because if you define God as omnipotent logic... Is love just part of that? Is love the, the logical? I mean, we only derive unconditional love from God. So is unconditional love the ultimate logical conclusion? 
when you when you read the Bible, I don't know that it can be. Because why would God want to put himself through that? Because God suffered and God was hurt and broken and angry and went through all this suffering for us. And so I don't I don't think that we could look at that and say that that's logical. I don't mean this to sound cold. Yeah. Like we think of logical outcomes being cold and calculated. Yeah. But I wonder or I think about an omnipotent I mean I don't think you can decouple any of this. I think it's all, all encompassing that parsing it out is kind of futile. But if God I think omnipotent is all powerful. I think omniscient is all omniscient. Yep. I see I've messed I've messed okay. this whole thing up. That's okay. These We're, wrong words. What's important is we got it right. Okay. Omniscient. <laughs> yeah. That does sound more right. Yeah. Omniscient, omnipotent. They're all wrapped up in yeah. one. So it's yeah. It's all the omnis. All the omnis. <laughs> what is it again? Omniscient. Omniscient. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. Because potent, omniscient. Potent, I think, power. Yeah. Potent, I think, yeah. Okay. Omniscience. Mm-hmm. The omniscient logic of God. Can you really separate unconditional love from that? Because love is an action. Yes. Right? And the only one capable in our framework of the world, the Judeo-Christian framework of the world, the only one capable of unconditional love is God. Right? The only one that that is capable of omniscient logic or reason is God. Mm-hmm. Do you think that um, all of these attributes of the perfect omniscient logos are a result of that or are they separate? So if I were to grant you all knowledge, totally impossible, hypothetical. I were to grant you all knowledge and with that all knowledge you could reason out any you could reason out anything. Yeah, any situation. Any situation, any idea, so on and so forth. Would that would the result of that omniscient reasoning be identical to God. The reason, the thing that I'm struggling with, with that Mm -hmm. is God created the perfect place in the garden of Eden. Mm -hmm. I, I understand and I believe we can understand why the rule was in place to not eat of that tree. The rule was not placed there because God wanted 
some entertainment. <laughs> Wasn't placed there because um, God wanted to see where it would go. It was placed there because in order for love to exist, there has to be a choice. If you, if you, I've used this before and as an example, but if my wife on our wedding day came forward in her beautiful gown and the preacher says, do you take Micah as your lawfully wedded husband? And I pulled out a gun and pointed it at her and said, you better say yes. No one looks at that and says, that's love, right? But the idea is, is that if you're forced to love, it's not love. Right. And so, go ahead. Let me try to put it a different way. <laughs> Didn't like my... No, I like... No, I like... I, I'm going with that. Oh, okay, okay. Okay. Because God is omniscient, mm -hmm. is... Is that the only outcome? Hmm. No, I don't think so. Because here's here's where the paradox happens. Hold that thought, okay. chew on it. I have to go Take pee a break. Okay. really bad. <laughs> I do too. All right, we're back. How can we reframe this a little bit? So the question is, if God's omniscient, knows everything, didn't, oh, no, the question was, is that, is what happened the only outcome that could have happened? That's one question. All right. So with that one. God reacted the perfect way in everything that was determined by him. But he gave free will because without free will, there's no such thing as love. So someone had, he, he couldn't create, and, and this goes back to a, a, a something that why did God create us? And there's lots of theories about it, but ultimately, I believe from studying scripture, God created us not because he was lonely, like some might think. I mean, he's got this huge universe and he's Tim, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus. Well, he didn't even create this universe until creation. Yeah, and so... What was before that, you know, and it, just him. So that that's, that's the idea here. But it wasn't of, oh man, let's, we're bored. Let's, let's create something to watch or do. No, it was this fellowship. And it, and it sounds, it sounds very egotistical, but it's not because it's true. 
But this wonderful situation that I have between me, Christ, and the Holy Spirit is so wonderful, I want to share this with others. I want other beings to be able to experience what I'm experiencing. And so he creates the angels from what we understand. Again, a lot of this is speculation. Yeah, there's not a, there's not a, this is how it all happened from A, a to Z. This is, this is a lot of it's speculation, but the angels were um, also given a choice. We see that he created Lucifer, who we know as the devil now. And he obviously had a choice. Well, how do we know he had a choice? Because he rose up in a rebellion against God. Because he thought that he could make it better. That he could be just as good as God. And it's interesting that he says that. He doesn't ever say he will be better than God. Because even Lucifer understood there was no better than God. He always said, I will be like the Most High. That's what he said. Because even Lucifer knew from seeing God, you can't be better. <laughs> you can't beat that. So the best he even could come up in his mind with was, I will be like him. And... Then we see God banish, you know, Lucifer and his angels. And the angels that stayed worship God and in heaven and fulfill, you know, we see them come to the earth throughout scripture with God's messages and things like that. But then God creates man and man he creates different even than the angels. He does create man in his image. Exactly, his image, which our image actually, yeah, our image, and, and that's one that's a lot of speculation can go into that. That what did God mean by that? Um, but we can know that we are very social creatures. We crave fellowship with other people. Now, not all the time, some more to more degree than other people do, but there's a really there's a reason one of the major ways people are tortured is isolation. Um, because there's it's within each and every one of us uh, a desire to have fellowship, even if it's just a presence that's near you, not even talking necessarily but just being around someone else. And I, I believe that was one of the things that, was, that we have that's like God, is that we, God wanted more to experience this wonderful thing. And, and so that's why we were created. Now, we were given the perfect place with nothing, no need for anything. 
we were given work to do, responsibilities to fulfill. So we were, Adam and Eve weren't just sitting around bored out of their minds all the time. That's not what was happening. It's perfect. God created it. And, and so here comes, well, then why did sin happen? And we like to blame the devil. Um, but if you look at scripture, you'll see that it says it's because of their own lust, their own desire. The same desire that the devil had to be like God. And that's what Satan tempted them with. The same thing he was tempted with. I want to be like God. So I'm going to do this. And that's what he said. If you eat this, you'll be like God. And so ultimately, I think that's the reason why we can't say that God orchestrated it all that way and that's the only way it could have happened. Because then we see people that don't believe. That would mean that God chose that all these people who didn't believe, he chose that they wouldn't believe. Right. And that they would go to hell. The the penalty of their sin. They would have to pay for it. He chose that. So that's the first problem with that logic. The second problem... But oh, we ahead. could say that he knows all who will not believe. Yeah. This is where you get into that dicey territory. Yeah, it is. Of, okay. He knows omniscience, all-knowing, who will choose to believe, who will choose not to. But he has... We say no control over this. Yeah. This is the free will, mm-hmm. right? He does have control over almost every aspect, but over this one aspect, he, by his own choice, yep. relinquishes control. Yeah. And this is the free will that we're given. Yep. But back to the logic portion of this. Mm-hmm. we see that God being the omniscient logos and him creating man in the garden in his, in his image, the image of the, the three. Okay. Therefore he would have imparted that logic logos onto man which I think is is self-evident. But we see the corruption of that by what? What we would generally characterize as sin. What's sin? Can we define sin in this way? Can we define it as... the corruption of the perfect... Logic? Anything against the perfect plan, I guess you would say. Yeah, if God is perfection, his, the Logos is perfect, he is perfect. He created the perfect place. And he is all-knowing. 
Obviously, man is not all-knowing. But man also chose to corrupt. So what does it say? When he eats, when they eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And their eyes are opened. Mm-hmm. Man's eyes are opened. And now he can see. His innocence is gone. His innocence is gone. And, and now he's presented with this good and evil. Which this is super deep. Yes. And I'm not qualified to really delve into this, but I'm trying. Yeah. It's interesting. It is interesting. Is sin then... Can it be conceptualized as the corruption of that? Yeah, I, I think it can. And here's here's where I think some speculation comes from my part. But again, I'm trying to think logically. <laughs> um, every time we sin, God has to come up with a new plan. And so, not a new plan of how we should be saved, but a new plan of what's his perfect plan for us. So sin corrupts. We understand that. God had the perfect plan, Garden of Eden, eternity, wonderful fellowship together, paradise. We chose that we wanted to be better than we were created. So, we sin. And then it corrupts. God's perfect plan is no longer possible because we've corrupted it. So now he comes up with another perfect plan because all God creates is perfect. And we see that play out until the next sin happens. And the reason that it is so hard to find many times God's perfect plan in each one of our lives is because of our constant sin. Whoa. Is there, because in in our circles, this gets this idea of a perfect plan Ordained, sacred, preordained, preordained, whatever, um, timeline for our lives. Mm-hmm. This idea is of, okay, there is a certain perfect life that God has for us to live. And we do nothing but corrupt this day in and day out depressing well (laughs) is it true yeah is there a certain timeline set of actions that if we were to take each and every one of these actions we break it down on a second by second basis and we were to execute a specific set of actions and we call this the perfect will of God. Okay. 
is that does that actually exist or is it is the perfect will of god a principles based more in how we live rather than exactly our our each and every action and i know you can't really break apart those two things because how we live is the each and every action that we take yes but i th- i think people get caught up in in christianity on there is a certain thing that god hath willed for me to do and if i don't do that certain thing then i have broken the perfect will of god or is a more correct way of looking at it there is a certain way in which i should live and if i violate that way of living that logic of living i am in violation of the perfect will of god this gets into essentially the will of god discussion yes but i've always been uncomfortable with the every action predestinated perfect will of god mm. versus no i think there's freedom in that there's freedom in how i don't believe god said all right you got to wake up if you don't brush your teeth that's there are people what, that live like yes yeah, there is yeah and, and i don't believe that's what it's talking about i think as long as sin is not committed mm-hmm. the plan doesn't have to change. God God gives area for creativity for who you why would he why would he make us all so different if that wasn't the case? Right. Well well people will concept they'll sit they'll sit and say that okay there is a perfect will. There's God's will for me. God has a perfect plan for me. And all I do is screw up his perfect plan for me. Well it, yes is true in the fact that you sin every day yeah. and you corrupt this but is it true in that mm, God has the perfect person for me? Because this is the one that always gets applied to. Oh, God wow. has the perfect person for me to marry. I believe it's his will for me to marry this person. Mm-hmm. This is God's perfect will. If I don't marry them. If I don't marry them, I'm in violation of God's perfect will, and my life cannot be of a satisfactory nature. Yeah. Is it that? Or is it God's will is for me to obey him and live according to his principles, a.k.a. live morally? That is his will, is it not? And our actions, if we take actions inside of that framework, using the logic that he is given us are we not now inside the will of god so is it a channel or is it a line <laughs> is it a tightrope is a it path? a tightrope or yeah or is it a highway yeah you know and and i've heard arguments for both sure frequently i hear arguments for the line yeah like it is a tightrope and if you one misstep you've you're outside of the perfect will of God. 
See, that's a... It's an interesting thought and an interesting argument because... But my... And I always come come to this thing, this conclusion for myself, and everyone has to. Um, ask yourself something when you get stuck and you don't know. Does it matter? Because if you love God the way you're supposed to be striving to love God, then you're going to try and be the best person that you can possibly be for God. And, and so as long as we're trying to do that, whether it's a tightrope and I fall off because I sin, mm-hmm. or whether it's a highway and I fall off because I sin. You're going to fall off both regardless exactly. of what it is. Yep, you're going to fall off. And, and so the goal isn't to, it's almost, you know, like, you know, people that need it to be a tightrope, let it be a tightrope that helps you. If that helps you do it, then absolutely. Um, if, because, because what's the result of your thinking? If you think it's a highway and you think, well, if, if it's a tightrope, then forget it. I'm not even going to try, you know, then that's not the right outcome of what you want, obviously, or what God wants. Um, but the other side of it too, is if it's a tightrope to you, don't, don't try to make it a tightrope to everybody else. You have to find what's the best way that motivates you to be the best Christian you can be for God. Because everyone's different. There, there's such a unique um, personality and relationship that everyone has with God. And things that motivate me won't motivate other people. Things that are exciting to me aren't exciting to other people. I, I get excited when, you know, we see progress on, you know, a shed we're building at the church, you know, that excites me. Other people are like, oh, they're still building that shed, you know, <laughs> I mean, I can't believe they're still doing it, you know, and, and so different things are going to excite different people and give different motivation for fulfilling what God wants us to do. The goal and the importance, I think, is, is to make sure that we're, pushing ourselves to be the best versions of ourselves that we can be for God, to be the most effective for him. Because God left us a lot of, a lot of room. Like you think about it. Okay. Jesus is on his way back to heaven. He looks at his disciples and he says, go and preach. Tell everyone of the things that you've seen. Mm -hmm. What's the two commandments that he leaves us with? Yeah. And the two commandments. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind, and all thy strength, and love thy neighbor as thyself. That's what he says. The two, when he was pushed into a corner, he said, these are the two. And he said, all the other commandments and the prophets are weighed on this. In other words, this encompasses the... They're built on yeah, this they're foundation. built on this, yeah. And so, so what's the whole conclusion here of this discussion? So... We started with logic. We started with logic and wow. logiced our way to free will, I guess. Yeah. Um, so for, and I mean free will, you, you talked about is there a one? That could be an entire podcast by itself. 
um, entire episode. Uh, well, this discussion could be like 25 episodes in and of itself. <laughs> yeah, here. It could. And we probably will come back to this because yeah. I'm sure we're, we're not doing it complete justice and not even close. It, yes. So, but, um, when we think of, of God and creation and why we're here and what we're doing, I think one of the most important things we have to go back to is God is love, but God is also perfect. And so anything we do that would offend God is not going to be good for us in the long run. And even though in the moment it seems like it's good, it feels like it's good, I want to do it, in the moment we have to teach ourselves and grow in Christ, mature ourselves to the point where we understand, no, there's a reason, whether I understand it or not, there's a reason he put it in his word and he told it to us. So instead of trying to ask why or try to fight against it or manipulate it to be what I want it to be, just do it. Fear God, keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man, Solomon said. I for sure agree. I'm going to have to chew on this a little more. I can't get past the omniscient God equals pure logic. Hmm. And I might, I got to think about this more. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah. Like, I think that's what one of the main purposes of this podcast is, is for us to bring up things and say, I don't know. I need to think about this. And it causes and produces us to think about these things. Let me rephrase that. It should actually be more like omniscient logic equals God and God equals omniscient logic. But we'll come back to that eventually. Mm -hmm. Till next time.